sometimes simple is better. Get yourself a cup of tea or a beverage of your choice and get comfortable at the Beanbag Cafe. We talk about all things motherhood and modern day parenting without losing you in the process. Because after all, you were someone before you became someone's mother. I'm here to honor that. We dive in to all kinds of topics, whether how to prioritize you as a mom, how to choose the most useful items in your baby registry, or how to surround yourself with mom friends that uplift and support you. We have it all. Motherhood can be challenging, so let's do it together. One bedtime routine at a time. Welcome to the Beanbag Cafe. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Beanbag Cafe podcast. It is my honor to host you today and thank you for your little ears. I wish there was something like how we say eyeballs, earballs, but that does not make sense. But I am grateful for your attention because that and your time, that is really our most valuable resource. Uh, If you don't know me, hello, my name is Julie. I'm an occupational therapist first and foremost, and I am now a life coach specifically for moms. And if you want to dive in deeper into that, specifically for moms with little ones, so I define that as anyone, kids under the age of seven or eight, uh, because that is when your subconscious is forming. So I truly feel like we have so much power and importance during those years. Plus my oldest one is seven. So this is the season of life that I am very familiar with right now. And I also have three little ones. As I mentioned, I have that seven-year-old, a four-year-old and a one-year-old. So um, I also don't believe that you need a village to have a thriving family. Yes, having a village is wonderful, but as my kind of slogan of life is, uh, you can have a caring, intentional and organized motherhood, no village required, because that is kind of where we find ourselves as South Africans living in the United States. Uh, We have not had our children around extended family. Um, And, you know, it's obviously has its challenges, but there are also some incredible things that come out of that. So if you want me to chat about that more, let me know. But today's topic really is from a uh, listener and I hope she's listening and this will, oh, podcast will be helpful. I put out a sticker on my Instagram asking, you know, what kind of podcast episodes would you like to hear from me? And this was one of the topics. And the topic is how to start your little one learning, like how to teach your little one. She's a homeschool mom. So she's coming from that perspective and how to capture their attention. Um, And this is such an interesting topic because there is no straight answer. So um, let's dive into that. If you haven't already, make sure that you're subscribing to this podcast. Um, Share it with other moms out there that may benefit. We talk all about intentional motherhood organization, how that kind of saved me. Um, We talk about finding the joy in motherhood. I talk about topics that I don't think are spoken about a lot in like mainstream media. You might not have heard some of these things. So if if this is the first time you're listening to me, go back and listen to some of my episodes. Some of the most popular ones are things like what you really need for your baby registry. What do you need for postpartum, um, how to communicate with your partner, that kind of stuff. So make sure you go back and listen to those. Um, I also recently did an episode about why motherhood is a job. And I really like that idea of just acknowledging moms for who they are. Um, so make sure you go back and listen to that one. And with that all said, let's jump in to this topic. Okay, so I kind of want to preface this. As an occupational therapist, you know, I am not a teacher, 
But I learned a lot about child development um, in university and in my career, especially early on in my career uh, when I worked in pediatrics and just through my own reading, observing my own children, that kind of thing. And now experiencing children in the school system, I have some thoughts around this. Now, this mom that wrote to me uh, is a homeschool mom. And so she comes from this perspective too. And she's homeschooling an older sibling. So she has the challenge, let's say, let's not call it a problem. It's a challenge that can be navigated of how to homeschool her nine-year-old while she has a toddler, a two-year-old, and how to get the toddler kind of interested in um, school. It's twofold. I'm sure there's an element of like just wanting her to get interested in letters and numbers and shapes and things like that, anything that would be appropriate for a two-year-old, and we're going to talk about that. Um, And... The second thing is like, what does she do with this two-year-old when she has the nine-year-old? So something about me is that I really don't like screens for little kids. In fact, the American Association of Pediatrics does not recommend or bans, I guess, screens um, until kids are two years old. And now let's be fair, that is not the reality. Kids younger than two are definitely watching TV, especially if you have an older sibling who's watching TV. It is very hard to separate them unless that television is only on when that baby is sleeping or, you know, the child's only watching it outside the house, that kind of thing. But I really don't like screens for children because I, my personal belief is that they will get exposure to, to screens. They will have enough screens and technology without you making an effort to let them watch TV. Now, that being said, if you need your child to watch TV for a little time out for yourself go for it. If that's what's going to keep you mentally sane, 100%. And we do this too. Our children typically only watch TV on the weekends for about an hour on Saturday and Sunday. My daughter, especially my middle child, she's obsessed with television. There are many arguments around it uh, that we have, which we need to work on. Um, She's strong and for and pushes back on boundaries right but you know it's not like I'm against all tv but don't think that tv is really replacing um connection and education with your child I think it has a place I've learned a lot of things from you know videos and screens and that kind of thing throughout my life but I also think I probably could have watched less tv and read more books you know um so I just want to say that so I think this question is coming from the angle of like how do I get my two-year-old involved get keep her attention right um, without, you know, defaulting to a screen so that I can also teach my nine-year-old, which, and they're obviously at very different, um, stages. Then, as I said, as an OT, uh, we were kind of taught, and this is just also my personal experience, that children, you know, will learn in their own time. And having now experienced my seven-year-old, he just finished first grade, and the kind of pressure that he is under, um, and it's not just it's not just his school. It's just that you know it's what's expected of the traditional sort of education system. And I like to think that we've chosen a fairly open minded school, but it's still a school um, in the United States. You know, it's still going to have to uh, play by the the rules. It's not a homeschool situation. And I have thought about that. I think my husband, just like me wanting a home birth, I think he it would be a hard no. So um, we have we're going the traditional school route for the moment. Anyway, that being said, I think kids are kind of pressured to read, especially um, much too young. And it's the status symbol around parents that like, oh, my four-year-old can read or my five-year-old can read. Um, They're reading before kindergarten, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of parents that I've spoken to who do not have children at that age yet are not even aware of kind of what the 
um, constraints are on children until they sort of hit that kindergarten milestone. And from what I remember growing up, I don't think I could read at the start of what is first grade, right? We called it something else, but first grade. I could not read at that age. I think I could read by the end. And then again, I don't even know how much I could read. Um, and I'm pretty sure my mom has confirmed this for me. I can double check, but we were not expected to read. And I think that is the case, that is the case for a lot of people my age, you know, people 30s, um, even probably in their 20s. Um, whereas now my child is expected to read by end of kindergarten. Um, and you can say, what is reading? Okay, basic reading. And definitely reading proficiently by the end of first grade. Um, and it's a lot of pressure if your child is not ready for that. The other thing that I really learned in university is that reading is something that has to come through brain maturation. And what I mean by that is you can actually train a young child, a four-year-old, five-year-old, helps if they're interested in it because there are children that do really want to read and there are children that will even teach themselves how to read. I have a friend who's three-year-old taught himself how to read. It was really, really impressive. Um, but he was really, really into it. And that was obviously a skill that was really developing in his brain at the time. And it all kind of lined up with maybe the books that he was reading with his mom and dad and just kind of things that he was observing in the environment. So it is possible, but a lot of children take time to learn the skills. There is so much that we fully don't understand about how a child even learns how to read and how the brain works. And if you rush that process, you kind of run into the problems of children struggling to read and then hating it, um, thinking that they're stupid because they can't get it. Meanwhile, they just haven't got there yet. Um, and you're forcing something that's not supposed to happen. Um, and I know that there's this pressure for children to be able to read in kindergarten. Maybe maybe parents are trying to get their kids to read before they even begin kindergarten. Um, and so when the child doesn't, they feel this pressure from the parents and then they don't want to read at all. And you, you're you robbing that child of you know a lifelong love of reading. And obviously, you know, you can work on getting it back and everything. It's not like it's totally doomsday. But my point being, I think there's a lot of pressure for children to be academic much too soon. Okay, so that's step one. Now, the next thing, this little girl um, that this reader wrote in about, she's two years old. And just having more conversations with her, I think there is this... Um, I think mom feels pressure to have her two-year-old be able to identify letters and shapes and colors and numbers. And yes, some of that stuff, definitely colors, you know, to start being able to name colors and to maybe not be able to name shapes. Like I'm not sure how many two-year-olds will be able to tell you this is a triangle or a circle or a rectangle. I'm sure there are some. And if you repeat it over and over and over and over again, I'm sure you can train them. But they will also just naturally pick that up through repetition as they get a bit older. And they will learn it so much quicker. Now remember, the brain is doing things in stages. It's sequential. It's layered. And I don't think there should be pressure for, for two-year-olds to be able to identify letters and numbers. I have a four and a half year old now who is very into writing. Um, she'll write like gibberish kind of thing. She can identify all the letters. Um, she can write all the letters. If I say to her, you know, write me an A, write me an X, write me an L. The one she didn't know was a Q, which I thought was really funny because it's not something that probably comes up very much. She could write everybody's name um, in her class, all the kids' names. Now, 
she is four and a half. She was on the slight. She is on the slightly older level for her class because of the way her birthday falls. Um, and she's also really into it. But she's four and a half, so that's a huge difference. She's double the age of a two year old, and she's now you know being expected to um, hear letters, observe them be able to vocalize what they are and then write them, you know, repeat them and then write them down. Um, and, you know, she can't, she can't read yet. I probably could teach her to read if I had the patience and the time, <laughs> but because she's one of three, not one of one, I'm probably not going to teach her how to read until she's ready. And that is also why she goes to school. She's going to learn how to, t- she's going to learn how to read really quickly at school. I, I believe that. And she seems very ready and very willing to do it. Um, but at two years old, I was not focused on um, her, you know, writing letters out for me. Now, can you introduce letters in the environment in a way that is appropriate for a two-year-old? A hundred percent. Can you build letters out of Play-Doh? Can you um, put those foam letters in a bath? We used to do this a lot and then like just let them stick the letters. They usually eat them half the time, but like stick them on the bath. And can you write letters in the sand? But do you... 100% you can do all of that stuff but can you bake a cake in a letter with you know in the shape of a letter or in a shape or um you know but do you expect your two-year-old to be able to regurgitate that back to you I don't think so and I'm not saying that this is what this listener was asking she 100% was not um but I think just the overall message that I'm trying to express is that we are putting so much pressure on children to fast track their literacy and that's just not necessary it puts a lot of pressure on the family and and it puts a lot of stress on the child and remember as i said in the previous episode and i'll probably continue to say this because it's like my new favorite phrase children i was referring to babies specifically but let's just let's just keep it up with the children children don't speak english i mean yes they do but you know what i mean they speak energy right and when you put this pressure on them to be able to do something usually they rebel against it but also it just impacts their self-esteem and remember those zero to seven years are so important for for developing self-worth and the self-concept for a human being. So we don't want to mess with that in a negative way. The other thing I would say is, you know, we know this, that, you know, little children have little attention spans. And I fully appreciate how hard it can be to be needing to focus on, say, this nine-year-old child, and at the same time having a two-year-old, a toddler, like a baby, essentially, kind of distracting you, getting in the way, wanting to be included. In my experience of this, it's exactly that. They want to be involved and they want to try. They love to role play old siblings or their grown-up, right? They love to be included and doing things that are appropriate for them. Sometimes they want to do the exact thing and sometimes you have to get creative, but I think there are ways to do it. There are ways to set up playstations, not actual literal like Xboxes, playstations, but stations of play um, near where you are going to be teaching the nine-year-old, um, where she can immerse herself with whatever she really likes. You know, they love like water play and textures and things like that. They love, um, my kids love playing Duplo and little figurines, you know, little Paw Patrol figures, um, a little play kitchen where they can um, just immerse themselves. You you want to encourage independent play. And I think that is a huge advantage in a way of having a second child because they learn to play independently 
because they have to differently from the first one the first one had all the attention and especially when you've got a big age gap like that they had all the attention for a long time and they were always there was always company there was always surrounded there was always someone there surrounding them right the second one now has to share mom and dad and like that can be frustrating but it's also an incredibly important life skill and you're doing her a favor by cultivating her ability to learn how to play independently is she going to play for hours on end probably not right but if she plays independently for 10 15 minutes that's really good and that's really spot on with her age another thing might be like helping her um sort through pots and pans and like kitchen things i found that my children they do love toys but they love especially younger ones younger baby babies early toddlers love playing with grown-up type of things and the challenge is always well what can you let them play with that is safe for them to play with that won't hurt them and that they won't break right but often kitchen equipment is really they really love that kind of stuff um so that is something to maybe keep in mind setting her up drawing if she's if she's really into um, copying what big brother does he's doing like writing and reading and maths and things like that having a little desk and chair for her or a little setup where she can do the same kind of thing next to him and feel like a big girl and feel like she's at school with him and included you know that's something we forget is that kids love school initially often when they start going a lot of children really enjoy it like they love the concept of having their own little pencil case and their crayons and their spot and blah 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 obviously yeah, you know, that doesn't always start off that way, but often children really love learning. And then somewhere along the line, we kind of like bash it out of them. You know, they get things happen to them and school becomes not that fun. And so you want to make sure that learning is as fun and joyful and as low pressure as possible in those early years. They do not need to be doing calculus at six years old, right? So keep that in mind that there might be an opportunity here for her to start to learn to play a little bit on her own you're still there you're you're still in the room and you're continuously reminding her that you're working with big brother and you're maybe supplementing some activities for her that are age appropriate that catch her attention and i think if something is not catching her attention it's perhaps not right for her it's either too simple it's not much of a challenge or it's too difficult and she's kind of just giving up, um, you know, right, right off the bat. So you got to find that Goldilocks of like the sweet spot. And that's going to take some tweaking. Um, a resource that I really love is the Busy Toddler Instagram. That is something that you could look at. She specializes, I feel like, in this age group, the two, three, four-year-olds. She calls them Tabies, toddler babies. Um, she has great ideas. And then you can look and see what she is doing and she's a homeschooling mom as well. Um, what she is doing that would fit in with whatever you need to do with your nine-year-old, right? Um, what can you, and with the resources that you have, I'm really a proponent of not going out and buying a whole lot of other stuff, you know, just using what you have that your daughter can play with. Maybe it's getting a giant cardboard box and letting her color on it, standing up. So you stick the cardboard box, you, you, you know, unpack it so it's flat and you stick it up on a wall with some masking tape and she stands up there and she draws and goes totally crazy with like markers and things. I really love the paint sticks. So they give you that paint effect, but they're not messy like paint. I just can't do the paint. I can only do paint at home a few times a year. That's my limit. Um, but you do whatever you have, whatever your messy tolerance is. Um, usually the messier, the, the better they are, the, the, like the more entertained they are. But this doesn't always have to be the case. Get her some scissors that are appropriate for her age that are not going to cut her if she, you know, is just learning how to cut. And get her cutting some like Play-Doh and just strengthening her hand muscles um, 
and playing with pegs, clothespins and things like that. There's a lot of there's a lot of good resources online and on Pinterest that you can use to kind of help get her attention and also help her learn age appropriately what she's going to need as she um, enters the world of academics, you know. So really my whole um, intention of this episode is to let children grow naturally and they will thrive with just a few things, you know, shelter and food and everything, but just love and allowance, allowing them to be who they are, they will thrive. They will grow big and tall and strong and super smart. I believe children are inherently very smart. And as they grow and they, you know, they have to navigate this world, they start to dumb and dumb down and dim their lights. Um, And so it's really important that you provide them with an opportunity for them to really thrive. Uh, yeah, if you have more questions like this, I would love to hear them. Please send them to me so I can make more podcast episodes um, because it's never a bad thing to have a lot to say when it comes to making content. Um, but I want to know what will help you guys the most. Um, and if you enjoyed this episode, please share it. Please subscribe to the podcast. Um, send this to a mom that might need it. You know, we're all kind of just doing our best. And sometimes being a mom can be very lonely. So maybe a podcast will make her feel less alone. And at the beginning of this episode, I think I referenced the fact that I am doing mom life coaching, or I'm a life coach for moms, however you want to say it. And that's really just the term that people are familiar with. But I really want to be here for you in any way that you need. Um, I love helping moms parent intentionally, in parent in a calm manner, parent in an organized fashion with some kind of structure and routine, because I believe that is ultimate freedom. When you have that routine and structure, you really can be free. Um, and I'm also someone who's had to dig deep in terms of not relying on other people to help me um, parent. It's my husband and I. And so I've had to become very self-reliant and I've learned some amazing things from that. I think we've had an incredible journey, the journey that we needed to have um, so that I could really believe in myself as a person and, and as a mom. So if that is something that you're interested in, um, if you're not sure what coaching is, I know it's not something that everybody is familiar with. Uh, make sure though that you send me a message on Instagram or email me. My information is in the description box of this podcast episode and we can have a call and I can tell you all about it and how I might be able to help you um, and you can tell me what you might be going through and we can see if we can solve it in a mom strategy call. So, or just send me a message and we can talk via text. That's okay too. So I'm sending you all lots of love and light on this very hot summer's day here in Austin. And I can't wait to chat to you soon. Bye.